to any other greengrocers, we give our mushrooms in punnet boxes. So they're still paper, but it does have the plastic on it. Um, for refill water, we had this um, biodegradable yeah. um, bags, and we put the mushrooms in, but we still use our stickers to close it because it has to be closed, otherwise yeah. the mushrooms, they go dry way too fast. Yeah. Um, but it was quite a bit of a time till we figured out what to use for them because obviously refill water is big on... on uh, yeah. No plastic. No plastic, plastic yeah. Mm-hmm. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Sweet Spot on a Farm, episode 68. If you never listened to this podcast before, it's all about health and food. And because there are many professionals who know an awful lot more about it than I do, um, the point of this podcast is for me to learn from those who know their stuff. It's my search for an answer to how can we achieve healthy body and mind with the resources available to us locally. And I'm looking at what we can do to improve our health and what and how we eat to support it. My guests come from various backgrounds and are professionals in their field, and they all have a lot of valuable information to share to provide us with the tools we need to lead a healthy and happy lifestyle, which is personal to each and every one of us. We talk about their work, their passions and their lifestyles, and we share cooking tips and plant-based recipes we can all easily make at home. And after my chat with Michael and Alex at the Four Leaf Market Garden um, headquarters, my next guest simply had to be another local farming growing company. And I'm very pleased to welcome more friends of Baruch's from Hahu Organics, mm. uh, another couple, Terry and Judy, the founders of Hearty Growers. Hello, guys. How are you? Hi. Hi. Thank you for having us. Thank you for agreeing to talk about all things mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it on. Um, guys, uh, first of all, um, it's really funny because there's three of us here and none of us is from Belfast mm. or Northern Ireland for that matter. So, guys, where are you from? How did you happen to be in Northern Ireland and... What on earth did make you start growing mushrooms in Belfast? Hmm. <laughs> so I'm Judy or Judith. Um, I'm from Hungary, Budapest. Um, and it was our life really that brought us here. Do you want to introduce? Yeah, I'm Terry. Um, Terry Terence Vaz. I'm from Mumbai. Um, born in Kuwait in the Middle East and then lived for a bit in the Middle East, a bit in India and now here. We so. met on a on a volunteering trip through our churches. Um, uh, so I was from Mumbai uh, through my church, and then Judy was from her her organization in Budapest. And then we meet in southeast uh, India. Northeast. Northeast. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I was talking to my friend about Southeast Asia. The other. But yeah, northeast. we met in northeast uh, India in a place called Shillong, which is a state, um, and it was. Yeah, love at first love sight. Love at first sight, yeah. Um, one and a half year later, we got married. Yeah. And then we moved to London, where we started our life together. Yeah. And we did some studies, um, Christian studies. Mm-hmm. Um, we did the first year in London. And then for the second year, 
uh, it was a more of full-time, uh, part-time, full-time um, school. Mm-hmm. We had different options, and out of three places, um, we chose Belfast. So we, the moment we landed in Belfast, we just fell in love with the place. Um, it was just the, the city center, the people, the culture, the good crack. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta have a good crack. The we this, the we that. <laughs> it took us. <laughs> It took us a second to understand, <laughs> to what, understand what is a wee bag. Because <laughs> I heard the guy we were on the bus, one of these hop-on, hop-off buses, and I heard the guy say, hey, wee sis, I'll see you in a wee half an hour. And I said, okay, wee sis makes sense, but a wee half an hour is still a half an hour. It doesn't make it any shorter than... <laughs> Do you know, I used to work as an au pair when I first came to Northern Ireland, and they were constantly using the word we, and it took me a while to figure out what it is because I was like, the first few yeah. days, I was thinking, why on earth do they constantly talk about going to the toilet? Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Thank you. Yes. The first time I heard that, I was at Tesco on the same day we arrived, or whatever, next day, and the guy looks at me and he asks, Do you want a wee bag? <laughs> and I froze because I'm like, a wee bag? Uh, wait a second. I'm sure he's not talking about. Did they actually? Did they actually piss into a bag in here? Is it like it's some sort of weird cultural thing? <laughs> so I smiled. I flatly said no, thank you. And then I was, I was this this friend who took us around. Like, what is we? Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> So that's, so, that's so that's how we how landed we, in Belfast. Yeah, how we landed in Belfast. Uh, we did like um, probably two, two and a half years on the first trip while we were studying here. And then uh, did Colorado where we completed our studies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, that was four years of our married life. And then we wanted to celebrate our fifth year differently, uh, not for a day, because we were uh, studying and working and supporting ourselves and we wanted to make a difference in the fifth year, so we decided to take a whole year off and go traveling. And the only way we could have done that was through some sort of funding. So when I finished my uh, studies, I graduated in sort of business studies within the, within the Bible College, uh, called Mar- Marketplace Ministry. So it was basically just me redoing my MBA a decade later, uh, which was phenomenal. But by the end of that course... I'd stumble upon this whole idea of drop shipping, which is um, you you buy a product from a wholesaler and then you resell it through online marketplaces for a profit. So basically, that's what we stumbled upon, and it was secondhand books on eBay, uh, and that took us around yep. Europe and India for mm-hmm. six months each, mm-hmm. uh, each 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 continent. And yeah, that was us for a whole year, just celebrating our fifth, fifth year of being together. And during that time, whenever we thought about where we want to settle down, mm. where we want to have kids, mm-hmm. um, we just kept coming back to, to, Belfast. to Belfast. We couldn't think any other place. Yeah. By then, we had loads of friends here. His mem- family moved here as well. Um, soon after, me- we moved. Mm. Um, so it just made sense to come back. Yeah. I think it was the people. It was like we've got mm-hmm. friends definitely here in Belfast. We've got friends up the up north coast. We've got friends around Derry, but we've got friends in Carlo and Cork and yes. Dublin and all that. And we're like, yeah, we're going back. So yeah, that's how Belfast happened. 
and mushrooms. mushrooms. Somebody asked me two days back, um, how did you, how did mushrooms? Why did you get into mushrooms? And my answer was, mushrooms happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> Very sophisticated. Ooh. With that tone of voice, yeah. <laughs> no, no, man, no, no. I think this is where Burke's, um Yeah, just knowing Burke and being trained by him, which was not the plan. It was just to go and give him a hand. But you begin to know him and know his heart for what he's trying to achieve there at the Helens Bay Wall Garden through Haho Organics. And you just fall in love with his vision, with his heart, uh, and with his aspirations. And I think that's what, yeah, propelled us and threw us in the right direction, which ended up being mushrooms. It could have been anything, but he knew it for sure that I was so desperate once after going through the nine months of being with him and volunteering on the on the farm. Um, my next thing was, man, you've got so many plans to go down the academic route. What if I give you a hand here and maybe you move on uh, and I do all the basic work around the farm? And he was like, nah, firstly, you're giving your time for free. Why would I employ you was his response. And then... <laughs> He says, no, man, you've got something within you. And when the time's right, it'll be, it, it, it will release through you and you don't have to um, worry about working for me or anything like that. So that was, that was massive. And then he pointed out something within me at the age of 35, someone telling me the type of thinker I am, which somehow I probably knew it but never placed any value on it. And he said, you are a systems guy. I'm like, what? You are a systems guy. You cannot, if I give you a shovel or if I give you these seeds, you won't just simply go and do them. You have a whole system of how you do things. And, and over those months of being with him, I realized, wow, that's, that's the way I think. No one has ever told me that. Like, so when mushrooms happened, it fit within a system that fit within my risk appetite. And I was like, that is it. I'm running with this. I'm sticking with this. How did you develop passion for how did you even think about oh yeah I'm gonna try some mushrooms mm. that was actually um, a funny journey mm. <laughs> because uh, once he started to volunteer at Burke's farm mm. um, he turned our garden into a beautiful place Our backyard, um, with, yeah. uh, yes uh, with loads of vegetables and flowers in there so at that time um, Oli was under five months old a second and child, second child and Tia was just like um one and a half, two, mm-hmm. um, two. So our hands were really full, but he still managed to to turn our garden just in a, into a beautiful place. Um, so we had loads of conversation about what if we start something similar, start growing vegetables on a bigger scale, and um, just couldn't so just, see yeah. couldn't see that really happening just because of the amount of time and effort you have to put into it. Um, just the endless um, hours and just really being out there in the nature that's loads of risks mm-hmm. and with well the, the truth was there was no holidays <laughs> no <laughs> holidays like, no way <laughs> and uh, yeah and uh, so anyways he, he turned the, the, the garden to this beautiful place and, and that was fun and then he stumbled up on mushrooms just um, on the internet um, and he bought some spores and some some um, wood pallets and things like that and he made this kit um and then uh, we forgot about the kit. So it was just sitting in our cupboard for about two, three weeks. And we remembered, oh, we have that. So we got an axe on it. We sprayed with water, just, just had the instructions. Yeah. But then again, we forgot about it. 
Um, so this one day when the, the restrictions were quite settled and you were allowed to have people around you, we had our friends over for a barbecue and um, he was talking about the vegetables and all of that and he remembered that, oh, we have a mushroom kit. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go see what the mushrooms are up to. <laughs> so he took the, the kit out and mushrooms were actually growing on them. Despite of us <laughs> neglecting it, like mm. seriously, mm -hmm. it survived us. And it fruited and it bare fruit, I mean mushrooms. So then um, I got into the kitchen and just sauteed it on a bit of olive oil, salt, pepper, garlic, served it to the guys and they were like, whoa, what is this? You what know, like, meat is what this? What meat is this? And we're like, this is not yes. meat, this is mushroom. We looked at each other. <laughs> hmm, something, something is. So that, that was the, the little spark yeah, that's that actually, drop, really. we thought, if we actually put some effort into it, <laughs> Then, then we we could we could actually start growing mushroom for for a living. Um, that's where he started to invest more into to just learning about it. And then we did some course. Yeah. So we we signed up with Grow Cycle. Mm -hmm. They're based in England, and mm -hmm. their whole mission is to educate people around the world uh, in terms of urban mushroom cultivation. And they heavily focus on. Um, urban setups, which means coffee shops, which means spent coffee, which means just reusing and recycling uh, all the resources that are around you. So phenomenal. What a course. It mm -hmm. would have taken us, I don't know, six months to do it, Easy. but we chewed the whole thing in six weeks. We were so yes. desperate because we knew that deep down in our hearts that that is what we're going to do. Uh, and by then, so sort of November, I was given my uh, redundancy notice and all that. So after nine months on furlough that is the company let me go um, and by then we just knew um, um, there's no more work we know what we're going to run with both are unemployed uh, and we decided to just jump into the deep end and what we did was with that redundancy paycheck we invested in really small time but commercial gear in terms of mushroom growing you could go down the DIY route and do something really cheap and cheerful but we just knew that if we're going to do this we'll do it right from, from the get go and so yeah invest in that commercial piece of equipment a commercial grow tent etc um, and then we could, we, could, we could just see the results as soon as we started growing it was, it was the right choice we had made um, and then that's sort of December um, and then Jan, Port View happened, and that could be a whole other podcast on its own. But Port, <laughs> yeah, it's been the best thing that's happened to us as a as a small as small business owners, as mm -hmm. just human beings. Port View is just a magical place to be around. This is incredible. Uh, but I totally get that the moment when you when you saw the potential, when people thought it was meat, obviously. We live in times when mm -hmm. a lot of people are turning into more plant-based mm -hmm. food, mm -hmm. whether for ethical or health reasons. Mm -hmm. And so being able to substitute meat for something simple, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. mushrooms, mm -hmm. that does not require mm -hmm. processing. You just go yeah. buy mushrooms, simple yeah. season it, throw it on the grill or in a pan or whatever, mm -hmm. throw it in, in a pot with your stew. It's, it's definitely yeah. fantastic. Yeah. idea um, mm. how did you even begin to scale up I mean it's something uh, starting a business is mm. very very challenging yeah. Um, yeah. especially if you obviously guys have two children um, 
now you're working together you're starting yeah. the business together and it, it can be challenging and mm-hmm. at the best of times never mind mm-hmm. in the middle of a pandemic mm-hmm. how did you guys find the whole experience and were there any specific hurdles that you maybe thought yeah. this is not going to happen for us well i think that's... the first thing was uh finances as a household i was the mm-hmm. biggest biggest hurdle for us in order to start a new business you either come through um savings uh beg borrow steal um or you just have investors money sitting with you i mean that's a whole other world but in our case we hadn't any of those besides access to credit cards uh it was quick quick money quick access uh but at the same time it was a proper cultivation course we had done so they not just teach you to grow mushrooms but they act, it's it, it is a sort of business model that they teach students to go then trade and become urban mm-hmm. traders and urban mm-hmm. growers um so they set the right sort of tone during the course saying this is how much you can expect to make this is how much is going to cost you this is what the profitability these are your sales channels this is how you approach you know chefs for instance or restaurants so they set the right tone from the start so we had sort of decent expectations of what we're getting into but the, then the the other mm-hmm. uh, i think very important bit is Terry's brain <laughs> and <laughs> ideas not let it be that a joke because um Yes, we did the course. Yes, we we uh, we've done that together, and then we were practicing at home. <laughs> yeah, but it's Belfast well, Airport, so Belfast. yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it's not too often. <laughs> um, but just you have have his his way of thinking, and just uh, I don't even know networking and all that is just so important. Like we could. be making all these um bags you know and grow all these mushrooms but if we don't have someone with such a such a business mind business mind and ideas and then you know we won't be where we are right now so that's that's definitely a big one thanks babe you're welcome <laughs> but seriously <laughs> Yeah. Where do I find somebody <laughs> with a business brain? <laughs> oh boy, yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it's it's incredibly important because you can have the best product in the world and I unfortunately gone are the days when word of mouth was enough because mm-hmm. everybody's now living mm-hmm. online. I mean, mm-hmm. you see people their heads buried in their mobile phones mm-hmm. yeah. all the time yeah. and I would love to start a business and get off social media because mm-hmm. I it's filling me with anxiety and stress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that's how a lot of products sell mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Yeah. And I I there are still people who can make it by just going into markets and yeah. mm-hmm. established stallholders. Mm-hmm. But I often find that paying for a stall is a lot of money and getting yourself established. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you certainly have to have a patience and yeah. resilience mm-hmm. and yeah. Yeah. but also you have to have the finance to get the ball rolling yeah. mm-hmm. and when you don't have that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We we tried we tried we've done one market so far um but one of the reasons we probably stayed away from it was due to the trade side of the business uh, restaurants 
and how good they've been to us and supported us. Mm-hmm. We've not had an issue of getting product out. In fact, we've we've had to shut our website down for I don't know more than six months to stop customers from directly purchasing because we were just constantly out of stock. Having said that, we do grow a token amount, so we grow smaller amounts compared to other gourmet mm-hmm. mushroom farmers, which is a dip in the bucket when it comes to traditional mushroom growing. Um, so we're just around the uh, 20 to 40 kilo mark a week, um, given the limited space uh, and resources we had access to upstairs on the second floor of Port View. But down here, we get to like triple in size, have, yeah, and a lot of exciting things in here. Well, talking of Port View, um, these are your new premises you kindly showed me around. Mm. It's absolutely beautiful down Thank here. You. <laughs> um, it really, it seemed like it happened very fast after you started your business. And you mentioned your trade partners, um, yes. your businesses that you sell to another plane. Mm. <laughs> there we go. Um, you mentioned you sell, sell to businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, I presume that the selling to restaurants and, and, and larger businesses was, am I right saying that that was probably, the, the, it played a massive role in you being able to move into bigger space yeah. and get the ball rolling that way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge. Because mm-hmm. when it comes to restaurants, what we learned was, um, obviously you, you do have to have a product where they can call you back and, you know, a consistent product in terms of its freshness and what you deliver, um, the whole experience side of things. And once they once they understand your product, they like you, they like your product, they like the price, obviously, that's all, that's all factored in. They then design menus around your product. So that's something that we learned that, yeah, um, when we get into the right hands with the right um, restaurants, etc., it was a win-win for us because it's like setting your business on autopilot as a small business owner, whereas when you go direct to market, um, you are sort of at the mercy of that of that market stall that we were in. We'd harvested, you know, ten kilos of mushrooms, <laughs> all excited, punnets filled to the brim, um, and then we sold five punnets, and it, it's fresh mushrooms harvested, and you are under such pressure when you harvest the mushrooms. And what we earlier learned quite early in the game was. You find a seller before you harvest, not after, um, and that's helped us a lot. Mm-hmm. Helped us a lot. Mm-hmm. So, how did you get your um, commercial customer base? I mean, did you approach restaurants when you started growing, or did you advertise and restaurants started approaching you? How how did that happen? In the course, what they didn't talk about was your product will speak for itself. You know, you take your fresh product, go mm-hmm. to the right people, in this case, chefs, in this case, catering schools, da da da, all that. Um, and time and again, I don't think it has ever failed us. Like, we show up, yes. a free promotion box, you know, no, no questions asked. This is for you, we're here, we're new, and we'd like you to taste our product. Oh, no, we don't use them. Oh, that's fine. It doesn't have to be on your menu. Do you want to just try them out? But nine out of ten times, uh, they come back. They come back and they put us on the menu straight away. Uh, that's what we learned through the course. But then, the course can teach you one thing: is does it really happen? And we have to put that to to the test. And it actually does. Every time we walk in into a restaurant or into a green grocer, saying, "This is our product. Here it is. We grow them 
10 minutes away from where you're at. Mm -hmm. They just love it because they, they currently order mushrooms from around Europe and around Asia. And by the time it actually gets here, the state that it gets in, and with all due respect, I'm, I don't think I'm against um, um, you know, getting mushrooms from far away. I, I come from 10 different places in the world, <laughs> so I'm not going to speak for um, if it's good or bad or not. But at the same time, what's important is I am going to eat a mushroom. Is it fresh? Simple answer, simple question. So there yeah. should be a simple answer to that. And when they when the head chefs see them, they're like, "Wow, this is this is super fresh." I'm like, "Yeah, it's harvested ten minutes or fifteen or half an hour ago. It is super fresh." So that 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 helped a lot in terms of being local um, and accessible to the restaurant or to the greengrocer. I think the other um, part of it is that it's quite a niche. Uh, as of now, mm. you don't have many people growing um, exotic mushrooms yet. So you've, you have all these massive um, mushroom factories, mm. um, but they are all, you know, the bottom mushrooms, and, uh, but you don't see many oyster mushrooms um, or exotic mushrooms um, yet. So, so that just really allows us to, yeah. to simply walk into places and say, this is us, um, do you want to work with us or not? Um, so it does make but that's, life that's quite what easy. we are able to control all these factors we're talking is what we have done and what you know what we have experienced but what's beyond our control is actually what like my goodness it, it spearheaded us and threw us into a direction that we would have never imagined so for instance when Brooke uh, uh, got to know that okay Hardy Grows is set up mushrooms have come we've tested everything he then shared it on social media about, uh, about us and the first thing, uh, David Gilmore, executive head chef of James Street South, sends us a message saying, hey, mm-hmm. um, Niall McKenna, owner of Hats Keys and the whole group, would like to come and um, check your farm out. And like, <clears throat> okay, we're just one week into Portview. Everything's a mess. There's no mushrooms in sight. It takes like a month once you move in. And like, no, we're coming. We want to check you out. And we're like, all right. So they come. <laughs> They say, literally, they say, fantastic, what, you know, what sort of varieties are you going to grow, what plants, this, that, and the other, have a quick chat, and the next thing they say, yep, get in the tent, let's take a few pictures, I'm like, pictures of what, there's literally no mushrooms in it, so I hold, I hold like a big block with literally one ivory oyster mushroom sticking out, they take that photo, they put it on Instagram and saying, yes, we've got a local mushroom supplier, guys, check him out, and boom, from there, yes. one after another, one after another, Yeah. and then we had... Um, we were part of the East Belfast Enterprise, um, what do you call it, like an incubation program uh, and also the Go For It um, uh, program. And not even like the first day, went for an, um, to go and check it out if we qualify for Go For It. Mm-hmm. Um, Maggie was looking after us. And at the end of that interview, she says, when we step out of this building, I wanted to meet Johnny Stevenson. And I'm like, okay, great. Who is Johnny Stevenson? And she's like, Oh, he's literally here, Urban Scullery, on the ground floor of the building of uh, East Best Fast Enterprise. He runs his, his, his cafe, come and check it out. And turns out that he's been like a decorated chef, worked, in, uh, worked under Michelin star chefs in France, and he was here in, in, in Northern Ireland, running a couple of catering scenes for golf courses, etc. So very respected. And then we walk into, this, into his restaurant, 
uh, ask him for his time. He says, yep, come next week. So Judy and mm-hmm. I go there. This is like the first chef ever in our life. We have no idea what we're getting into. He treats us with coffee and he, he says, okay, what are your questions? We show him the product and he literally starts telling us insider stuff like, hey, how are you pricing your stuff? Who are you going to you know, approach, blah, blah, blah. And he starts like guiding us in the direction that we, we, we needed that guidance. Like Yes, the amount of support people are ready to give you here, it's mind-blowing. It's mental. It's absolutely mental. It's absolutely mental. Like for being, uh, we being outsiders, it is just absolutely mad hmm. to experience that, that warmth and they're ready to receive you and then guide you in the right direction. That's just absolutely hmm. crazy. It's, it sounds amazing, but I wonder what makes mushrooms so popular? Mm. Because I wonder, it's, it's, it's one thing to get all this support, but another thing is to actually have demand. And mm. um, I mean, mm. it's, it, it kind of makes sense because over the past couple of years, yeah. organic vegetables and fresh mm-hmm. locally grown vegetables, uh, the demand has, I think, multiplied. Mm-hmm so much people I think especially during the pandemic people realize that having access to locally grown vegetables Mm -hmm. that's fresh Mm -hmm. and grown without pesticides Mm -hmm. and and healthy is is incredibly important so I think that might be a part of it but mushrooms are as you mentioned it is really niche Mm -hmm. what makes mushrooms so popular I think like in our case they look beautiful Yeah. I mean, when you see the pink oyster mm-hmm. in its all glory, you just, you know, you can't the just walk appeal. past back. Well, yeah. we do eat with our eyes, don't we? We do. Eat with our we eyes. do. shop with our eyes. Yeah, as well. exactly. <laughs> um, yeah but that's just. Um, but going back to to the super side of it, I think it's yes. In the co- last couple of years, people has been more conscious about what they eat. I think, but also after the Brexit. People has been more supportive towards local businesses, so mm. they're more aware of uh, what's going on in their area. Yeah, um, I think that's yeah that's huge. Also but also, like mushrooms are so versatile; you can have mm-hmm. them for breakfast, lunch, dinner. And I mean, think about it: yes. you can start with a mushrooms on toast, yeah. and then hop yeah. onto a risotto, and then end it up with a lasagna in the night. You can and just go through mushrooms and through different types of mushrooms and not get bored of them. Yeah, um, we do have customers are walking through the door and roughly 10 probably 20 percent of them would be you know non-mushroom eaters and i always like try to ask them what is it that you don't like about mushrooms and you know nine out of ten times Mm -hmm. it is the way it was cooked when they were young and you know the way it was served with the you know moms and dads just cooked it in water and overcooked it etc so (laughs) it's a completely different world here because you're you're enjoying the mushroom on another level altogether with little ingredients you don't have to even toss more than three things to make your mushrooms look good and taste good well full disclosure here i can't eat mushrooms (laughs) and i love them actually i love them i we used to we used to forage for mushrooms when i was a kid i mean it's probably the same in hungary it's 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 a massive tradition Mm -hmm. um so as a child i used to know all the i probably i've forgotten all of that now but i used to recognize all the edible mushrooms and the ones that were non-edible and i was like the master mushroom forager and i loved like my mom used to make this absolutely amazing 
I don't know what you'd call it. It was basically like mashed mushrooms. It was like mm-hmm. eggs with mushrooms cooked mm-hmm. in butter, and we wow. put on Yum. we would put it on fresh um, sourdough bread. Yeah. Absolutely mm-hmm. gorgeous meal. Very simple. You would just bring freshly forest mushrooms and in the morning and have it, have it for lunch or late breakfast or whatever. Mm. And yeah, I, I can't tolerate mushrooms. I can't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, 20% <laughs> represent, right? <laughs> yeah. No, but they're very, very versatile, man. Um, and there's such a massive variety that we, we yeah. haven't touched yeah. yet. Yeah. Mm. So at the moment, you're, you're growing just oyster mushrooms. Mm. Uh, you were talking about adding new variety. Mm-hmm. What is the kind of decision process for you like? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you obviously you've had a brilliant response with the oyster mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your thinking process about what other mushrooms you're going to grow? Yeah. Because we're constantly talking to chefs and just mm-hmm. um, our own customers. Um, it's that side of it because they constantly ask what's next do you grow um let's say lion's mane or mm-hmm. uh, piopinos or maitake so that's that's probably the the first point like we hear yes. what people are asking for and then then we look into uh, what you need uh, practically um to to grow those mushrooms and if you yeah. can provide the circumstances then that's what we um, yeah we, we are playing talking. with a very tight sort of uh, we run a tight ship here so which means that we cannot just start growing let's say a mushroom that yeah, is that doesn't work within the operation that we do here so for for giving an example the oysters that we grow they kind of thrive between 16 and 20 degrees so as long as we're within that sort of heated environment we can incubate our mushrooms and fruit them um, which then allow and because we warm our rooms again this is based on the resources we have access to we, we warm the room up which then keeps the temperature control mm-hmm. um, which also means that we can have multiple tents and multiple setups as long as it's within that 16 to 20 degrees so and there are X number of varieties that we can we can grow uh, the decision making process is does it fit within that 16 to 20 um, or the carbon dioxide level, which is pretty different with new mushrooms. Yes. So mushrooms that we grow now, oysters, they like low carbon dioxide level, but there are mushrooms that prefer higher uh, mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, we have to see um, what can grow together mm-hmm. in one tent, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then the other bit being what Judy mentioned is the most important bit. We can grow till the cows come home, but if no one's going to buy them, so very important is what are, what is the market telling us and in this case the market is telling us you know we've got about half a dozen varieties planned and they're literally it's just feedback we've got from customers mm-hmm. which just makes life so much more easy talking about customer feedback um eco-friendly packaging has been massive over yeah. the past while and i think it's absolutely exploded during yeah. the pandemic when people are realized how much rubbish mm-hmm. um they generate mm-hmm. um plastic and all that mm-hmm. um you mentioned that freshness of the mushrooms is crucial mm-hmm. which could make packaging quite a task i can mm-hmm. imagine mm-hmm. especially if you want to go eco-friendly which mm-hmm. i mean i can see it in your premises it's, it's all about being eco-friendly and sustainable mm-hmm. so 
how do you manage that side of it? Mm-hmm. It's definitely a journey, isn't it? Yeah, but we also like always think about this question. Both Judy and I, we come from backgrounds where sustainability wasn't a buzzword. It, it's, we <laughs> reused every single thing, you know, bottles, clothes, everything, just everything, bags, anything. Just think about it. We just constantly reused and mm-hmm. reused and reused. And that's all we knew, really. Um, so we are bringing that side of our upbringing to the business. It happens to be sustainable in terms of the, the, the word being used. But um, what we are learning, though, is... Um, so that's sort of half of the battle won by just bringing that whole upbringing to the game. But now we're learning things like um, where do these materials come from? Um, what are they made of? This is all new to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, being very honest, this is all new to us. Um, and then the example that Judy shared before the recording that um, in, in the case of Refill Quarter, that we just enjoy doing business with, just their ethos and their whole idea of zero packets, you know, zero uh, plastic, etc., is just phenomenal. Are we there yet? The answer is no. Uh, but we are on a journey to getting there. So if that means, can we partner up with them and and listen to them and see what can we learn from them? Uh, the answer is the packaging that we've created for them very specifically is to, is to see how can we roll that out with with other, with other shopkeepers, with other, with other traders. But then there is also the challenge of: can we transport the product? Will it, you know, at the end of the day, is the customer that receives it? Will they receive it undamaged? Will they receive it safe? Will it still look pretty when it gets in the customer's hand, etc.? And those are challenges that we that we battle with mm-hmm. over here. Um, but we're constantly working on it to see w- what else can we do. Uh, so besides the fresh mushroom punnet packaging we also do grow kits and the way grow kits are it's uh, polypropylene uh, which is recyclable sort of plastic but we want to know what other material can we use uh, to replace the actual grow bag which we use on site Um, we do know of other techniques like you go you can grow in plastic buckets and just keep recleaning them and reusing them over and over again um, but we've sort of seen that trajectory of, of growth and it's up to a certain point that's manageable and doable. Mm-hmm. But there is a point where you where you cross where reusing buckets does not become an efficient model in mushroom growing. Um, so that's something we need to question before we get into uh, that part of the process. So, yeah, Challenges. not an easy answer, <clears throat> but we're, we're learning, man. Yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, getting rid of plastic completely is uh, is quite challenging, and it's uh, in some ways it might not be completely possible. Maybe it's mm-hmm. just a way to think about how we can reuse yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. rather than recycle yeah. or completely get rid of where yeah. it's not possible mm-hmm. to yeah. use something else. Yeah. But um, I guess growing mushrooms is actually one of the uh, one of the things that does not require that much mm-hmm. energy, and um, mm-hmm. you know it doesn't cost the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are different models uh, from traditional growing to spe- specialty growing, from high tech to low tech. 
So on that scale, we are sort of low-tech specialty mushroom growers. And that itself is we're not heavily invested in tech. There are a few gadgets that we use to monitor the rooms, to monitor the health um, of the mushrooms, etc. Um, and, yeah, um, again, it's, it's a le- it is a learning curve, isn't it? It is a learning curve, but yeah. I'm just like in my head, I'm just going through, you know, like practically what we're trying to do, like using... Um, buckets over and over and over again or have you like for example um once once we so we 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 have these uh, mushroom bags we fruit them twice and once it's done uh, we don't just throw them away Mm. Uh, we do have ways so our spend become and we we take them to to farmers and then they put it put it into their soil so our ways becomes their treasure Mm-hmm. You know, so um, so there are different ways. So I think our goal is really to to work on look at each and every area and wherever we can actually do something, or yeah. we can reduce we are, waste. Like we, we, when it comes to sustainability and things, we're we're huge fans of the circular economy. Like we again, mm-hmm. this comes from our upbringing, from our backgrounds, from where we've come from, and uh, it comes very natural to us in terms of um, um, participating in the circular economy. Um, so looking at waste as the end product like from day one it has been the reverse we bring waste right to the center of our conversation and saying before we get into this what are we going to do with our waste mm-hmm. you know and, and center the conversation around it and that's where we started teaming up with the connections that we have through Burke who's been a huge benefactor we've been uh, <laughs> taking all our of our um, substrate over to him our spent sorry over to him or he drives over and picks stuff up we've got picked organic who come in uh, every now and again would pick some spent of ours uh, we've got the hilltop harvest as well Sam and Joe mm-hmm. um, that come and pick stuff up so um, and you've got Alex and Mike so there's a, there's a nice sort of um, network that we have uh, that we've plugged into just to know that what can we do with our waste and 9 or 10 times your, your trash is someone's treasure that's that's the honest truth in this circular economy. Um, so we've kind of ticked that box of our waste, but with this model, with this setup down here, uh, we no longer have to rely on uh, buying hardwood pellets that we feed our mushrooms. So we feed oak um, sawdust to, to our oyster mushrooms here. Um, we follow a recipe, what's called a, a master's mix, and that's basically 50% um, hardwood uh, sawdust and 50% uh, soy hull. And um, what we can do with the model here downstairs is stop relying on buying ready-made pellets, which served us perfectly for the mm-hmm. last uh, year. But we can actually go and get waste from coffee shops, uh, from breweries, which we're surrounded by, by the way, over here in Port View. Um, and then you can get sawdust and you can get straw etc straight from the source and then sterilize them grow your mushrooms on them um, and then after we've harvested it Mm -hmm. twice the two times that we do here you take that spent and it goes onto farms so it's a phenomenal model Mm -hmm. that we want to like tap into and just yeah this sounds absolutely amazing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah zero waste I love that I love that I absolutely love that and at the end, you have this amazing product yeah. that you can... It, this is amazing. I'm actually just thinking, hmm, I'm going to start hopefully preparing my 
my little garden um, for growing some food finally of my own. Might actually knock on your door if you have any leftover waste. Absolutely. No, we're 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 buzzing over here. Like we've got our 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 racks on wheels and things. So the next thing we want to do is when when the customer walks in, basically to just make sure it's not being abused. The system will have a probably an idea of. For any transaction made at the farm, just feel free to pick up a bag of mushroom compost and go break it down mm-hmm. in your soil. Mm-hmm. Um, Very nice. Yeah, trying to work on that. See how how that yeah. plays out. I'll swap you for recycled coffee mm. since we have tons of it, <laughs> tons of it at home, and I'm not allowed to use it in my scrubs. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Saga to be continued. <laughs> But um, tell me this, this is, um, so you have much bigger premises now than you had before. Yeah. You're a couple, you have two children. How does this farming business operate? Who does what? How do you share responsibilities here and at home? Because I can imagine you're both business people, you're working mm-hmm. in the same business and you have two kids to look after. How does this work? Yeah. So, um, two ways, I think one, Uh, theoretically and one practically (laughs) (laughs) funny how they are always two different things (laughs) so on paper (laughs) yeah on paper uh, I'm running the operation so just making the mushrooms and whatever involves that side and Terry does all the other side of it the finances the the networking the marketing the custom service and all that um, so we have days like Monday, Tuesday typically is my day to, to be at the farm um, and then um, thank God for for uh, mommy love yeah my mom <laughs> uh, so Ruby, Ruby um, she, she's she's a gem like seriously she helps us so much with the kids and they love her so we rely on her big time mm-hmm. um, uh, so so it's between the three of us, really. Um, whoever is at the farm, the other person will be at home with the kids. Yes. In real time, it's a, a bit of a mess right now, in a way, because um, it's a bit more than a two-man job. So we're definitely looking into building a team. And yeah. we feel like once we have a team, then everything will be in order uh, properly. So then it makes sense to share and on paper as well and in practice practice as well like who does what um, and go with that flow yeah and then so. coming out of the tiny space upstairs like we knew what we were yeah. missing and it was just a play space for the kids like we love having them around they love being here on the yes. mushroom farm like they just they love it they absolutely love it. they adore it so we built a tiny boss room so in there through that door <laughs> is basically where they hang out when they're here they've There's, got their toys 10,000 blocks in there so it keeps them going um, <laughs> all sorts of coloring stuff but it also means that with all the groups that we're part of as mums and dads and tots and all the groups it also means that we can now you know bring my dad friends over Mm -hmm. um, and they bring their kids they're running around here we're you know having our usual chats and catching up um, and they give us a hand so it all just works so Mm -hmm. smoothly Um, it's amazing just to have my dad friends and their kids here on on, on, at the farm we just love it absolutely love it talking of kids guys i've uh, while we're talking i keep looking at these postcards and flyers um you guys launched a children's book yeah, about right. growing mushrooms haven't you yes 
<laughs> two days ago. <laughs> so, so how did that come about? Through your friend, Gabriel. Yeah, Gabe's. Um, so when when we got into the grow kits part of the business, um, that was our second product. So after fresh mushrooms, we started these grow kits, uh, learned a whole bunch of things through that. And our instructions were always very mature and adulty. And we also thought, like, should we make um, instructions for kids? But that slowly started turning into, what, no, it should be a story, not instructions yeah. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that was like the initial vibe between Judy and I when we were going back and forth, you know, dreaming about a book that we'd ever put together. And then in August, so that's August this year, by the way, 2021, <laughs> um, yes. Gabriel, man, lovely friend, um, having a chat, talking about this whole thing of, could we write a book or could we do something? And turns out that he's been writing stuff. Um, a creative genius, this, this, this fellow is, man. Um, and yeah, so he took the concept, he took the idea, took the sort of idea of the characters of what we were trying to do, of what we were trying to even sort of sell in terms of the story. And he came back saying, what do you think about this? And we're like, what? <laughs> and then next thing we know, he's got a phenomenal friend, Raquel Reese, uh, in Lisbon. She's done, you know, illustrations here and there for museums, for schools, etc. But this would have been her first uh, children's book illustration. Mm-hmm. Um, Gabriel's first children's book, probably first book overall. Mm-hmm. And for us, it was our first ever. So we're like, great. What it's can go wrong team. here? This is... <laughs> Perfect. So, um, four months later, um, we <laughs> we just released our book, um, the fantastic discovery of a curious kid, and we're so pleased. Yes. <laughs> with, we're with, very with happy. Whole, we're very happy how it turned out. So, is it a story that helps kids learn how to grow mushrooms? Yeah, it's it's the first stage. It's very inspirational. The idea is basically to inspire kids to. And parents as well, to not freak out when they see mushrooms. And, and we as parents freak out when we're out, you know, taking our kids to parks and things. And we, we don't know much about wild mushrooms and we're just starting our journey uh, as far as wild mushrooms go. And we thought that this could be a safer way to inspire kids to grow mushrooms in the comfort of their home with the help of our grow kits. So that's in a nutshell what the book is. And addresses things like food and sustainability and mindfulness all around a family setting. So pretty much on the lines of, again, a lot of stuff that we would share as values as, as, as a family. So there's a bit of that in there. And then obviously there's Gabriel's magical touch of writing and then Raquel's just phenomenal illustration. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah. Love I it. love how colorful it is. Yeah, no, <laughs> there, there's you. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah, thank you, guys. You thank have you. so much. You, you are amazing. Like you, when did when did you have that uh, barbecue? When you decided mushroom last, was, mushrooms? Uh, it last is? August, oh, so last, last twenty twenty. Oh my August, god! Actually. Before August, so yeah, July. July. And now, July. eighteen months—not even eighteen months later—you guys have bigger premises and a children's book. Yeah, yeah. but it's 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 not happening overnight. I think overnight, it's also though. no, no, and plus, circumstances definitely pushing us because um, 
who don't have other jobs. I mean, yes, we could start work, uh, mm. some sort of uh, regular job, but uh, we always had the dream to have a, a, a business together, to do something together. And the fact that Terry lost his job, we thought it's just the time to jump. Um, so, you know, there's the, the, the truth and the harsh life where you just have to, at some point, you have to start paying bills. And yeah. So we don't really have, we don't feel like we have much choice but to yeah. push. And, but also, and back to the original question you asked um, at the start, was when that redundancy happened, um, for us, universal credit kicked in. Mm-hmm. And we're immensely proud of that, like extremely proud of that. Not everybody likes to talk about it, but mm. hey, because of that, our household has been looked after. So the rule being that if you are employed in the UK and you plan on starting a business and go self-employed, the government has a system, a scheme in place where they look after your household expenses for one year. And by that one year, you've got to prove yourself, if not go back to employment. And then you can come back every five years and you know give self-employment a go or give uh, running a business a go. So because that mm-hmm. option was available to us, mm-hmm. uh, that took care of our, sort of took care of our household expenses. And then came the Gopher program, £1,500 upfront as mm-hmm. a startup, got funded, Portview, you know, opened up and that paid like eight to nine months of our mm-hmm. um, commercial premises rent. And it was a note where we were like, wow, this is straight. We can see eight months ahead. Yes. Um, and with this one year of backup we've got from Universal Credit, it's giving us like a year to play with. And that's where we just jumped. And I mean, that was our signal to mm-hmm. time to go. go because in hindsight, I don't think we'd recommend folks to do this without some sort of backup, some sort of money for at least six months. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had no idea that this is actually available to to businesses. Yeah, it's not known. Yeah, and some folks have been self-employed for a few years. When I tell them that, they say, can I claim it back? Because (laughs) I have gone through misery trying to start my business. I don't know, you've got to check it out. But yeah, Um, so our year ends uh, literally this month. So I write an email to my coach to ask him, what's the crack coming to an end? most dreaded question what happens next and I explained to them that we're at X in terms of revenue a month we need to be at Y and it looks like it's going to take three to six months and we should be doing good uh, within that and very politely they get back saying no you're one of the COVID startups so things look good so far and we will contact you when the time is right but for now keep going and they were very happy with obviously Mm -hmm. the evidence we provided etc so so that gave us a huge huge uh, relief yeah Huge relief, huge relief as a family. I think uh, what is really helpful with the two of you is, as Judy mentioned, you are mm-hmm. y- you do have one person who is the business brain who mm-hmm. looks after the business side of it, mm-hmm. so the other can focus. Oh, yeah. Because if you're one person trying to start a business, you have to do everything, oh, unless you have the money yeah. to pay somebody to run the business side and the marketing yeah. and all of that which when you're a small startup business most people do not have that kind of cash to right away start paying somebody mm-hmm. so you're this one person and you have to do it all yes plus you have to find money to pay the bills yeah. at home yeah. so 
this I imagine is something that can take people years to leave Mm full-time and then maybe transition to part-time employment before Mm -hmm. they can leave Mm -hmm. completely to dedicate their time to business they've been building in their spare time Mm -hmm. and it it, it's costly I can imagine it costs mental health there's stress there's and suddenly this thing that you start out of a passion Mm -hmm. becomes this thing that drives you absolutely mad Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we also follow the the e-myth there's a book called e-myth revisited and in that the model is very simple for small businesses Uh, each business should understand that they need to wear three hats one's the technician so it could be a farmer it could be a software you know engineer etc it could be any sort of job that needs to be done in the business Um, the second is the manager who manages what's going on Um, and then is the visionary so there's just three hats that any small business needs to wear the entrepreneur can wear all three and burn out, or you can have a team, have three people do that, or you could just switch hats. So in this case, Judy runs the whole operation side, so she's like the chief grower. She looks after the maintenance of the farm, looks after our numbers in terms of uh, forecasts and harvests, etc., um, and the health of the mushrooms. And then I look after the uh, everything else from strategic partnerships, collaborations, Um, branding and just kind of running the company ahead to where we're going Um, yeah yeah so you have these roles quite nicely divided but I'm curious this is something I asked um, Michael and Alex as well I'm kind of curious Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that you guys have jobs whether it's within your own division that you mm-hmm. absolutely love doing mm-hmm. and then there are probably tiny jobs that you absolutely hate doing but you know it needs to be done so mm-hmm. what is it for each of you yeah. hmm <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think, I, I think right now I have actually quite a few <laughs> from both I'm enjoying um, the tent very much just to see the mushroom growing harvest that's the exciting bit um, everybody likes the harvest yeah. <laughs> yeah. funny enough like, Ooh, yeah. look at that. Um, yeah. as you can see I'm right in the middle of uh, making grow kits and that's not on my favorite list to be <laughs> frank it takes time yeah. it takes it's hard work like um i can't feel my shoulder right now we're still working working on our heating so it's freezing in here mm-hmm. so <laughs> mm-hmm. this is the least favorite part for me um right now um it's a fun process man it's good um and then troubleshooting is that the right word mm-hmm. troubleshooting um yeah, <laughs> when you know that everything goes well and you have to figure out what is going wrong and there could be like hundreds of different things. Um, I, I, can, I can get really frustrated with that for sure. Um, what I totally love though is, um, as I said, is the tent, um, watching them growing and then I love delivering yeah. <laughs> and seeing people's well, face and just having that conversation. Yeah. Enjoy... Um, and then we can actually taste chef's food when yeah. they use our mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, in, in my case, again, it's very grow kit related. So that's 
the second product that we do. Um, it's been amazing, like, you know, packing the kits, printing your labels, taking it to the post office. It's so nice, like, but what we've experienced... Oh, because you're not the one who needs to make them. <laughs> no, no, that was at the start, right, in the last, but given our recent, like, operations on Etsy and eBay and just online marketplace, I don't know what has happened. Someone's turned the tap on. Which is great. And it's gone Amazing. mental. Like, we can't keep up with the amount of grow kits we're selling, wherein we've had to turn the delay shipment to two weeks so if you buy anything from us you get it in two weeks and that slots have sold out so we're sold out for the year and anybody placing any orders anymore gets them in four to six weeks that's the scales we're working on and we still have 50 orders and, st- and every day they're just that 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 so the thing is um <laughs> so managing that um is not a pleasant experience especially when we're running behind or if anything goes funny in the growth process and the incubation mm-hmm. process and if let's say we 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 expect the uh, kits to be ready in like 10 to 14 days and if whatever reason if it's a fluctuation in temperature or a higher carbon dioxide in the room it slows the growth down etc and then it's not a pleasant experience to get back to a few people and say oh we're running late so it's easy to get delayed very easy yeah. and once you delay it it's hard to catch up so time and time scale is 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 really difficult and the least favorite again is every time like we've transitioned so many times like from home in our spare room we set up the tent here in port view within two months we had to scale up the tent and that's the one you're seeing right now there um, so again that that's every time you scale up or make any changes if that's the only tent you have that means that you've got to get back to the restaurant to say Sorry, we're in the midst of transitioning. We're going to grow a lot more, but for now, we don't have any mushrooms. <laughs> it's not the best <laughs> conversation to be having with with um, mm-hmm. with your business partners. Yeah. <laughs> It does sound a little unpleasant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, do you have um, just? Is there more than one type of oyster mushroom, mm-hmm. or do you, do you, is there just one that you grow, or do you have? They're different colors, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. there are many, many different type of um, oyster mushrooms, like hundreds. Yeah, um, yeah. we grow six of them, two hundred. Yeah. So we grow six of them. So we grow um, Indian, Etna, Grey, Pink, Gold, Ivory. Yeah, that was six. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. the six that we we grow. Um, mm. And they're well, they're pretty much just like their their name. So pink is pink, gold is gold. Um, yellow, um, gray is gray. Indian is this beautiful brown color. So for me, pink and Indian are my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> to grow or to eat? Uh, eat. <laughs> to grow, they're, to grow, mo- they're more or less. Just, they're more or less like they're so sort of cousins from different parts of the world. Yeah. Um, so you've got uh, pink oysters that would have originated around the Indian Ocean side. So any of the light color oyster mushrooms that you're looking at, um, they tend to be sort of from from warmer climates. So you've got the pink there, you've got the yellow, which originates sort of um, northern Russia, and then you've got China and Japan, so there are three sources of the yellow. Oh my God, look at the Etna one. It looks looks a bit like silver. Yeah, so they start off, they're also known as blue uh, gray, blue stroke gray oyster, and they start off with a blue tint, and then they turn into these beautiful gray clusters. And then you've got ivory, so that's the, goes by its color. Uh, Greys would have been very popular uh, in Europe around the World War II, where the German army was taught to cultivate them to to survive. 
and that's how grey is associated with uh, with growing them all year round as it's a European variety. Oh, the pink one is beautiful. Oh. I can't see why it's your favorite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they're fun to to even cook with. Like a friend of ours, Ajit, um, who gives us a hand here, um, he took one of one of our grow kits. He firstly harvested his own um, at home, and then he takes the, one of the pink mushroom heads, flattens on his pan, um, releases all the water off, and then the next thing we've seen him do is like literally flatten a piece of steak. And he chucked a few microgreens on top and just relished it with all of it. It was just beautiful, Mm -hmm. beautiful. Mm -hmm. So that brings me to my uh, last question. Mm. Guys, do you have a favorite recipe with your oyster mushrooms, maybe that you would like to share with our listeners? Something easy they can make at home? Hmm, a few. But well, I, share I, more I, than I one. Have, I have a special <laughs> request here. This is your uh, uh, the pakora. Pakora. Oh, oh yeah. Jesus, <laughs> heavenly. So pakora, yes. Oh, that's good. So for pakora, um, what I do is I take um, any really any of the uh, the mushroom oyster mushrooms. Um, uh, just using my hand. I tear them apart in, mm-hmm. into smaller bits if you want to, but you can just literally take one little flower, floret, and and for the batter I use um, flour, salt, pepper, coriander, um, turmeric, a bit of uh, red paprika, um, cumin. Coriander seed, you mean? Coriander, yes, oh, but fresh. ground. Yeah, ground, ground sorry. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, so I mix it all dry together, and then um, I add some water. So I like to keep it nice and thick, um, almost like an um, American pancake batter. Mm. <laughs> um, so then I just dip the mushroom in, and then um, I fry it. Me, personally, I fry it in oil. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking. In the oven, I don't think it would work. So anyways, um, and then you fry it, and you eat it, and it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, that sounds absolutely delicious. It's so simple it as well. It is like, simple. Super yes. simple. And the thing is, you can play with the flavor. Like, yeah. you know, if you don't want to put all these spices in there, you can just keep it simple with just salt, pepper. Do you have any measurements for the spices or for the flour? Or do you just, like, <clears throat> how, however really much you fancy? <laughs> but I actually... Um, so for the flour, I must have used, so I probably had about um, 200 grams of mushroom. And then it was about one, one and a half cup of flour. And then for the spices, what I do normally is, um, salt and pepper is normally just for taste. Um, I like to use loads of cumin. So if, if I see, then it would be, let's say, um, if it's one teaspoon of um, pepper, uh, sorry, cumin, then it would be half a teaspoon of, let's say, coriander. Oh, and okay. so for me, cumin would be um, double amount than coriander, um, turmeric. And then turmeric and coriander, uh, pepper, they can be the same, same amount. And I think I've used like half a teaspoon of, of those and one teaspoon of cumin. Oh, that sounds so delicious. Mm. I am really gutted I can't eat mushrooms but my partner absolutely loves mushrooms and uh, we I requested um, 
I wanted air fryer. I had been wanting mm, air fryer yes. for so long, and mm. here comes the plane again. <laughs> um, and finally, last year, my partner budged, and he bought me an air fryer, and he Ooh. did not want it. It's too chunky. What are we going to do with it? Yeah. What are we going to use it for? He uses who uses well, more than me. <laughs> no, he's absolutely obsessed with making everything in air fryer. So in the air fryer, could you use also... For, for this, like for the, uh, because I can imagine like if I bread something, I can see it going into the air fryer, but what happens when you have a, a wet batter. batter? Well, you you can, I think it's just, it's it has a little like mesh tray, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so any excess batter will yeah. fall down That's through right. it, yeah. and it's very easy to clean, so nice. I've done um, like sautéed, even like sautéed veg- vegetables, mm-hmm. and we yeah. make like chips in it, and sometimes nice. I just coat them in like paprika yes. and cumin Yum. and yeah. a wee bit of salt and stuff, and just nice. throw them in, but like... Just uh, I tend to massage a bit of avocado or olive oil mm-hmm. in them, and so the excess spices will kind of drip down through mm-hmm. the mash tray. Mm-hmm. But it it like it doesn't matter. Like yeah. I I think mm-hmm. I've done um I've done a marinade with using the likes of coconut aminos and a bit of mm-hmm. oil and things like mm-hmm. that and fresh herbs and then wow. just threw stuff like marinated veggies in it yeah. and mm-hmm. it's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. So I, I nice. think it would work yeah. for air fryer. So anybody, you guys, if you have an air fryer, yeah. <laughs> buy some oyster mushrooms. Yeah, but you know, I can safely say after this is our eleventh month uh, uh, in business, but and of trying oyster mushrooms in mm. many ways yes. <laughs> for the last for the last year, um, this specific way of just doing mushroom bajias or pakoras or lunchbox, the cafe here. Uh, at Banana Block did mushroom fritter, fritters for our book launch it was heavenly it was seriously <laughs> pickled delicious pickled sweet um, labna sauce and uh, mushroom fritters and what, what Jane did was she literally took the whole head battered and fried and served <laughs> that was so and good. the guests that came here loved it mm. loved it Loved it, swiped it. <laughs> I can totally see actually uh, the mushrooms being really, really good for making like veggie burgers as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I absolutely love making veggie burgers and mm. yeah, again, can't put bloody mushrooms in them. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you're missing out, but you're missing out. I, I know, I know, but uh, oh my god, what a recipe! Yeah, <laughs> what a recipe! Yeah. Um, um, oh wow. So the other, um, I always refer to this when the customer asks me for a quick recipe because like I find that the, the bhaja, for example, mm-hmm. um, for some people it would be, you know, more complex, yeah. but if you just want Definitely. to really figure out if you like the mushroom itself or not, uh, as flavor, I would just simply saute it on a little bit of uh, olive oil, salt, pepper, all garlic, butter. Yeah. all butter. Um, and keep it simple and then adding a bit of uh, garlic or some herb like rosemary or thyme um, and that's it because then you really get to enjoy the, the flavour of the mushrooms so that's oh it sounds absolutely amazing yeah. so guys before I say goodbye um, tell me how can people contact you what is the best way to order mushroom, I know you mentioned you're running behind, mm-hmm. but maybe even in the new year, if um, yeah. if you are 
set up to take more customers what is the best way to order yeah. and what can customer orders are there any um subscriptions or yeah. do they just order one-off kits mm -hmm. can they order fresh mushrooms how does it work yeah so literally all of the above so uh, our new website um, has a functionality of subscribing so when you've placed your um, order for your half one kilo or a pudding which is 200 grams um, you can click the, the the subscription box and then that kicks in uh, we are open to the public, direct to customer, so you can order mushrooms on our website, which is ha which is hakigrowers.com. Um, and then we're on social media, um, Instagram and Facebook is our main thing. Um, again, that's Hearty Growers. Um, and yeah, uh, they can now walk in, they can come and meet us, we'll yes. show them around. Um, what's exciting here within the banana block is uh, what we're stepping into in terms of a retail space and in that we're we're soon going to be serving mushroom based teas uh, and create like all things fungi experience from a reading corner where people can come and learn and read and a little community vibe around fungi and that's what we're trying to that's the direction that we're heading in in terms of the retail side. And um, in at Banana Brook, uh, we're open from uh, Wednesday to Sunday. Mm -hmm. uh, Monday and Tuesday are closed. Uh, yes. They're closed, but we're open to public uh, from Wednesday to Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, so Wednesday to Saturday, it's full day. 10 to um, 4. 10 to 4. And then Sunday is from 1 to... 1 to 5. To 1 five. to 6. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You guys working seven days a week. Mm. At the moment, yes. For the last <laughs> so year. that's why we mentioned team, how yeah. important it is, and we are working yeah. towards it. <laughs> yes, it is indeed. This is crazy. Well, respect. Thank respect, you. guys. You. you have a family and you're working really, really hard. But um, I absolutely love your business. You, you you have a great business model as well. I and I love how simple it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's you're providing something that obviously there is an appetite for, and mm -hmm. you have a business that definitely does not cost the earth. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, Thank it's uh, it's incredible, and it's great that uh, there is a local business where customers but also obviously restaurants can go to and I think as you mentioned because of Brexit but I think not just because of Brexit mm -hmm. we're talking about sustainability yes. I think mm -hmm. buying from local business yeah. is incredibly incredibly important yeah yeah yeah, agree. yeah absolutely mm. absolutely so guys hearty growers buy local and uh, just in case you missed it at the beginning uh, the banana block that's in Portview Trade Center mm. and Newton Arts Road in Belfast. Thank you, Diana. So, guys, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for showing me around and for the, for the lovely conversation and uh, the best of luck for the future. Oh, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Same to you. Thank you so much. <laughs> it felt so good to be back podcasting again. Um, I've missed talking to lovely people like Terry and Julie so, so much. Um, it has been a very long break um, due to several things um, which I won't really get into too much about but just briefly I know that this podcast when it started it was meant to be 
And it was for a good while um, an episode every two weeks. Since COVID hit, it has been very irregular. Um, and I've been putting out episode um, basically any time I can. It has been quite difficult to get um, scheduling in sync because most of the people I speak to um, have become incredibly busy, which is great to see, but their free time often doesn't match my free time and um, it's made it quite difficult. Um, and I, I just don't want to go the route of recording everything online because there is something really nice about speaking to people face to face. Um, you can pick up the energy. It has a really good vibe. And I love to see people in their own environment. I think uh, it's going to stay this way for quite a while. Um, and it's not just for COVID. Obviously, with a full-time job, um, I'm, now, um, I'm now studying as well, part-time. And uh, we've recently moved a house, finally. We got a house. So... Um, Yes, it's uh, it's been very busy and um, it's been a very long time, um, two months actually. Yeah, since since I've um, since I've spoken to to people about their passions and um, I love talking to people who turn love and passion into something good, even if it is accidental. Like in the case of Hearty Growers. I really love their story and their business idea and ethos and I just can't believe how much they've actually achieved in such a short period of time and I hope they do continue to grow and thrive. Before I left I was gifted the Hearty Grows super cute illustrated book The Fantastic Discovery of a Curious Kid. Now, this little book, it's a really, really tiny booklet. I got it in front of me. It's really colorful, super cute. And um, it has a step-by-step guide on how to grow oyster mushrooms using the Hearty Growers Home Growing Kit. But it also contains a really tasty sounding mushroom stew recipe. And if you do end up ordering a home growing kit, it also comes with a recipe. It's simple pan-fried oyster mushrooms. I am really gutted that I can't eat mushrooms because the beauties these guys are growing look absolutely delicious. And their simple recipes sound really mouthwatering. Talking of which, delicious and mouthwatering, the pakora recipe that Judy shared in this episode can be found on our social media with the rest of the shared podcast recipes. And the best place to find them is the file section of our Facebook group page where you can download the individual PDFs and you can even download the full podcast recipe collection from the first 50 episodes for a small donation to our chosen health charity, Mind Your Mate and Yourself. Now, the recipe collection can also be found on the charity's own website if you want to check it out and see what the charity is all about. It's available as download and donate at uh, mymy.org.uk slash 2021. Just search um, download and donate and the link should come up. 
Instagram also has our podcast recipes. Just search through our podcast posts if you're not on Facebook. And I do hope that sometime in the future there will be a website so I can come off social media and you can just have everything in one spot. But that is a song of the future. So um, yeah, fingers crossed. And if you've enjoyed this episode or any other of our episodes, please do leave us a review or a rating on whichever platform you use to listen to this podcast. It really takes about 30 seconds and it does help other podcast listeners to find the right content that is right for them. And it also helps content makers like myself to find the right kind of audience. And if you have any comments of constructive criticism, suggestions, or if you have a guest in mind that you'd like to hear on the podcast, please do drop me a line on social media or email me at thesweetspot at gmail.com. I'd love to promise that we'll go back to new episodes every fortnight. But while I can't give you a fortnightly episode at the minute, what I can do is I will give you good content like this one with lovely guests and taste recipes whenever possible. And I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and we'll come back next time, whenever it may be, hopefully soon. Have a lovely Christmas and Happy New Year in case this podcast is not there to fill your ears before then. Try growing some oyster mushrooms or even better, try tasting some. And whatever you do and wherever you are, be sure to stay healthy. Until next time. every week your host is myself Susanna from the sweet spot music by Mark J Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan thank you for listening